This is For The Win, a podcast on sports and sports culture. I'm Eddie Sun, the multimedia editor for Annenberg Media Sports, as well as the producer of this podcast. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome back to For The Win. This is Christian Colmenares with Ava Brand and Jordan McGee. And we're going to start today's episode with one of the most controversial topics I've ever seen surrounding sports, and that's the European Super League. To kind of go over just the semantics of this and, and get like a basis of what's going on, essentially, 12 teams wanted to recede from their domestic league, so... English teams wanted to leave the Premier League, Spanish leagues wanted to leave La Liga, or at least they were okay with the consequences of potentially leaving those leagues, and create their own league where they would replace the Champions League, which is currently the most competitive competition in Europe right now. So this would essentially totally rock European soccer. What was your guys' opinions on the matter? I mean, I think it was just, as we're seeing now with what I think six teams have pulled out of the agreement already before it even started. So I think we're saying it clearly was not a good decision. Um, I think they were putting the financial aspect of soccer first, which with a sport with so much history and like passion, their Europeans are crazy about soccer. Everyone knows that even if, I mean, I don't follow the sport that closely, I will say, but I know that Europeans are crazy about soccer. The fans hated it. Yeah, exactly. The players hated it. It was clearly just for the executives to make more money and to profit off of a sport that has so much more culture than what it's being used for. Yeah, I mean, similarly to Ava, I'm not an avid soccer fan. Um, My relation to the sport really just comes from me playing FIFA, and that's about it. Um, But in terms of uh, this subject, (laughs) um, I was... I was really interested to see not only the players' reaction, but the owners' uh, reaction. I was in a course, um, one of my courses, and they were talking about the subject. And something that stood out to me was when someone referenced the owner of Arsenal. And the owner is Stan uh, Kroenke, which is a familiar name to me, to me because he also owns the Rams. And it, it, almost, it almost is... Uh, I, I almost just thought like maybe like these uh, executives who own teams like this are trying to take an American approach towards creating a league similar to the NFL or the NBA. Um, Obviously soccer is, or football for most, um, is the international pastime and is the biggest sport um, around the globe. But possibly um, this move by these teams was ultimately something that was going to push um, and kind of be a response to the growing um, support and viewership of the NFL and NBA by a lot of Europeans and other countries worldwide. Um, so that's what I mainly took away from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely think um, that your take on, like, the Americanization of this game is completely valid. I mean, if you look, you have Stan Kroenke, who owns Arsenal, you have the Glazier family, who's American, who also owns uh, Manchester United. You have Fenway Sports Group, who owns Liverpool, who's obviously like run by Tom Werner and uh, John Henry. And then you have um, Bruce Buck. He's the chairman of Chelsea, also American. Ed Woodward had 
um, you know, amidst all this news, resigned from Manchester United today. Um, and he, as well as American, I believe. So it just, um, it's just not surprising to me to see that, like, all these Americans main goal here is to make money like you guys said um i mean the bank that's funding it is jp morgan and um (laughs) like if that isn't telling enough of their intentions then i don't know what is but um i could bring up a quote from an anonymous owner of the english top six who were all invited and initially accepted And uh, they said, our primary job is to maximize our revenues and profits. The wider concern of the game, or sorry, um, the wider concern of the game is secondary. So it's pretty, I mean, it seems like um, nothing was really subtle about it. Like money was definitely the driving factor here. So I wanted to ask you guys, do you think like, you know, should the Premier League and La Liga and all these leagues uh, take measures to punish these teams who tried to sort of secede? Because we're currently seeing the Super League collapse as we speak. So Yeah, I think that's really interesting because as I'm looking now, there's a hashtag trending on Twitter called um, hashtag Glazers Out. It's about the Manchester United um, family, the, the team that owns the family. It's trending right now and you know, I think this is the final straw for a lot of fans and a lot of people who are so passionate about the game um, that they're just seeing, like, this is clearly for revenue. But for the fans, it means so much more. You know, they want to watch play to watch their team win and whatnot. They don't want to see, like, they don't care how much the team makes. They care that the team does well yeah, exactly. at the end of it. They, they care that they're having fun watching the game. So I think it's interesting that we are kind of starting to see the consequences of these teams saying they would join the Super League because now they don't have support from their fan base, which if they don't have support from your fan base, then you're not going to get any revenue ever. Yeah. It's kind of, they stab themselves in the back a little bit, we're seeing. I would like to see something like a point deduction, honestly. Like, I kind of want them to start at a disadvantaged position to begin the season all six of them and full disclosure i mean i i like liverpool like they're amongst the teams that seceded and i think they're they should be punished for what they tried to do like that was disgraceful especially to a club that claims to be like the people's club and um you know founded off like working class players and you know it's just it's distasteful and it's disgraceful yeah to your point I think definitely for most Europeans and people who aren't from America, this is obviously not a good move. But I feel like for the casual fan, um, someone like me or other Americans, uh, I think like putting all these teams in a league would be super entertaining and would ultimately maybe like push more American viewership. But to your point, yeah, it, it especially for a sport that's just regarded so much more heavily around the world i feel like these clubs resemble or yeah these football clubs resemble more of like almost a college like team where there's a lot more emotion and like love for the team whereas in competitive uh professional sports in america it represents a city but it's not really as i don't know there's not that same magic to it um so yeah i mean i'd be interested to obviously see all these teams compete on like in a super league, but 
Um, to keep the integrity and history of the game, um, I would obviously agree with you guys. Yeah, not only that, to, you know, keep those small clubs, you know, well-funded and everything because uh, they need these big top six clubs to fund these uh, lower-end teams. Like, that's just the reality of the game. And it seemed like a heavy capitalistic move uh, to make such a Super League. But enough about Super Leagues. Let's talk about the team in America with a bunch of superstars. And that's the Brooklyn Nets, as unfair as that roster is. Um, James Harden is currently out indefinitely. What do you think that means for a team like that and just kind of the East as a whole? I think there's so much star power on the Nets that I don't know how much of the skid will be. Obviously, James Harden is putting up crazy numbers. Um, leading, I think he's leading the Nets in some categories, if I'm not wrong. I don't have the Assist, yeah. Assist, so... He's leading the league in assists. League in yes, assists, so is. it's obviously a big hit, yeah. but I don't think they will do... I think they'll be fine. You know, they still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who Kevin Durant, you can make a case for, I don't think personally, but someone may argue that he's the best player in the league. So if you still have at least two, all not even all-stars, superstars on your team, compared to other teams, you will be fine. I think maybe the worst part is they don't have as much time. They've had, it, there's been very few games where I feel like all three of Brooklyn's superstars have played. So maybe they're, the biggest loss is that they're not developing as much chemistry as they could be before the playoffs. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I mean, this team's just kind of the rotation and, like, the in and out of different players and different um, combination of players is really what's a little concerning to me. Obviously, like, there's never been a team with more star power. Um, but Kevin Durant was out for a little bit. Kyrie's injury-prone, so he'll always miss a couple games. And now James Harden. And on top of that... LaMarcus Aldridge, who they just signed, like, retires out of nowhere uh, due to health concerns. Um, I mean, it's still a three-team race in the in the East with the 76ers and the Bucks. Um, I'm, I still think the Nets are going to come out of the East, but it's, I think we're going to see early on in the Eastern Conference or playoffs that they're going to be tested a little bit earlier um, in the earlier rounds just because they don't have that um, that chemistry yet, and they're going to have to develop that, um, whether it be in the first or second round. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I could see them getting in a position where, like, their backs are against the wall, and, and it's really going to take more, like, individual skill than it is chemistry or, like, um, great team play. But I, I think this team is built for the championship just off of pure talent-wise, unfortunately. Like, I think, like, you look at this team and, you know, Steve Nash is a first-year coach. All my respects to him, but um, I do kind of have some concerns when we talk about his game plan, especially defensively. And if we look at the roster defensively, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's it's the best defensively. It's definitely the best offensive roster in the league, though. And I think they're just going to have to, like, outscore everyone. And even if James Harden's out, I could still see him do that, which is the crazy thing. Like, that that roster is just stacked full of scorers, and um, I totally get the LaMarcus Aldridge news kind of being a, um, you know, he, he wasn't on there for too long, but it does shake, uh, shake things up for him. But as far as James Harden, um, 
I mean, he he should be back uh, by playoff time, so I can't really see this affecting them much. I still have them coming out of the East. They just might not get first seed. Yeah, I mean, as it stands right now, they're in the second seed, only a game back, but would be interesting. They're, right now, the number six matchup would be against the Knicks, who have won six straight, so I think that would be a fun matchup. I do think the Nets would still win, but... Maybe it'd be a five-game series instead of a four-game sweep, or at least close games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a series I could see. The The Knicks are a gritty grind uh, team that could really push the Nets for sure. Um, yeah, no, I totally see that going to, like, a six, game six or something. I like totally just want to see it for, like, the banter between New York fans and just, like, seeing... Yeah, that'd be quite, that'd be fun. Battle of New York. Do you think that we'll get a Battle of L.A. in the Western Conference this year? If the Clippers don't blow another lead, maybe. Hopefully, that'd be fun, though. I, I really think that'll be fun. Um, I I still think if they match up, probably Lakers win that one. I agree with you. I may have a little bit of bias there, but <laughs> I think the Lakers would pull it out. <laughs> Just some additional news coming from... Um, a well-respected Laker, uh, Kobe Bryant's estate just announced earlier this week that they will not be renewing their contract with Nike, which leaves them open to negotiate with anyone. Um, what do you guys think about this, uh, this news and, uh, Vanessa Bryant's statement on said news? Um, I think it's really interesting you know, the part where her statement, she said, I was hoping to forge a lifeline, lifelong partnership with Nike that reflects my husband's legacy. So it makes me wonder kind of what went, went wrong or what happened behind the scenes that made it so that couldn't happen right now. You know, maybe they're still discussing and they just couldn't reach it yet. Um, I think it's also interesting after Nike had the Mamba week in fall of last year. They really put a lot of time into Kobe, and Kobe put a lot of time into Nike. So it just, when I think of Nike basketball, Kobe Bryant comes to mind. So it's just interesting that that partnership isn't there right now. Yeah, it feels a little off. No, I mean, it's definitely an end of of an era. Um, I feel like Kobe was one of the first Nike athletes after Jordan to really, I don't know, carry the torch and be that guy. Um, You know, I'm sad that I'm not necessarily going to get to buy a lot of retro shoes that would have come out in the following years um, that I did when uh, Michael Jordan came out with retro shoes after he retired. Um, but in terms of the news, I wasn't necessarily that surprised considering that I knew the contract was coming to a close in 2021. And I had heard there were talks of Kobe wanting to go um, and start his own thing and really push uh, his Mamba brand and potentially start a sneaker line within that. So in that regard, I wasn't super surprised. Um, You know, he had the Mamba Sports Academy going for him. um, And I feel like, you know, he's one of the most well-known athletes on the face of the planet that he wouldn't have had trouble starting and funding his own brand. Um, In terms of negotiating with other um, sports brands, I would be shocked, like beyond disbelief, if... um, somehow like the Bryant family um, agreed to terms with another company, whether it be Adidas, um, which Kobe was with before, but Kobe's a Nike athlete and 
Um, he's going to, even though the, the contract's done, he'll be a Nike athlete for life. Yeah, I mean, those, those, I mean, the Kobe 6 Grinches, you you have, like, so many just timeless shoes that um, I don't think anyone will kind of associate Kobe with any other shoe brand. And um, according to CBS Sports, um, Bryant and uh, the estate grew frustrated with Nike's approach to the Kobe line since his retirement, feeling like the product was too limited and there was a lack of availability in kid sizes. Um, that's actually according to ESPN. I apologize. But um, so it seems like they just kind of had a dispute over the business model. I know like a lot of limited shoe drops and, um, you know, making making it like really hard to get kid sizes. That's not too uncommon if we're talking about like Jordans or something like that. Um, so it seems like there was a disagreement almost on on that um, business model. So if if that was the case, then I could see them going elsewhere to, you know, maybe maybe a brand that is uh, that more so mass produces their shoes rather than having these limited drops on sneakers app and stuff. That's an interesting point because it kind of goes back to the Americanization of sports. It, this it, Nike is a business, obviously, but you know, by doing these limited release jobs and selling uh, only a certain amount of kids' sizes in the shoes, they're making it something that's more luxurious to get and people are willing to pay more for it. Yeah, like more limited, exactly. they're definitely trying to profit off of the athlete's success and just people's respect for Kobe. Yeah. I think also an aspect regarding, like, the lack of uh, availability amongst kids' shoes is that I think Kobe was going to put a lot more of an emphasis on having his daughter Gigi really represent like the Mamba uh, brand as a whole. And if she was to do that, then obviously that would raise a lot of um, excitement amongst children to want to buy shoes. And thus, if they're not available, then Gigi wouldn't play as big of a role. So I think that's also an important note um, when talking about uh, the disputes over the Uh, amount of kids shoes another Uh thing i think is super crazy is that all these athletes who wear kobe's in the games they're all struggling like they don't know what they're going to do either if nike starts making these kobe's athletes basketball players rotate their shoes pretty frequently they're going to have to really stock up we've already seen contavious caldwell pope and talon horton tucker for the lakers say if anyone has any kobe's i need to get my hands on them because they don't have another shoe to wear. You know, KCP has worn Kobe's for most of his eight-year career, so yeah, that'll be crazy. His to see. um signature shoe is one of the most uh, worn of like any player um, ever, and yeah, it's gonna be weird. I mean, I guarantee you guys, like in in like thirty odd years, that these these shoes are gonna be thousands upon thousands of dollars, probably. Um, Oh, I bet they already are. On yeah, eBay. <laughs> like these are for sure an appreciating asset. And I just find it also kind of weirdly coincidental that the Nike deal expired five years after his final game of uh, where he dropped 60 points to cap it off against the Jazz. Um, so it, it just kind of it felt sad reading that news. I don't know if you guys felt that way, but uh, that partnership kind of stood for something. 
Yeah, they've just always been one and the same to me. Well, um, with the end of their partnership comes an end to our episode. And, um, you know, I would I would love to thank our audience. This is the last time you'll be hearing me this semester. And um, it was great being a host and participant of this podcast. Do any of you guys want to end off your episode? Yeah, it was great speaking with you two as well as the other members of the podcast. Um, definitely learned a lot, um, as shown today, uh, talking about soccer. Um, but I'm looking forward to future episodes and future debates. I had a lot of fun this semester. Hopefully we'll be back in the fall, but thanks for listening. Absolutely, and um, remember to go for the win. Thanks for tuning in to For the Win, and remember to stay tuned for new episodes.